Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time for another episode of Driven by Design. The one show, maybe the only show that talks about all the things driving us these days. Driving us crazy sometimes in the process. With the man who's just crazy to talk about all this, our car designer, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Howdy, doody. Uh, I am excited about today's show. Really, really excited because we're talking about visions of the future from the past. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Well, let's see if we can explain it here. We all grew up. Maybe I did. I'm, I'm obviously to do, do. We're doing a video here, so you get to see me from uh, coming out from behind the curtain here. I'm the Wizard of Oz here with my wizardly beard. I remember the Jetsons. I remember flying cars. That was guaranteed to be the future. And as much as people laugh about that, we still think that's the future of cars somehow. That's how off we are when we think of the future. And so I, we're going to start with, for those, do you remember flying cars? So this show today is about a series of paintings that I'm doing called Do You Remember Flying Cars? And what I love about this idea is that it's an alternative 1970s where we discovered flying car technology and then veered off into that direction. Wow. And so what I wanted to propose, there's a couple of things I wanted to do with this, is capture the essence of that era. So very much capture the 70s aesthetic, big I, American cars. I lived it. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. Big, muscular. I remember, you, you probably could drive them. I remember sitting on my grandma's like, uh, armrests in a red velour caprice seat and that was my baby seat yeah so you know survival of the fittest for sure yeah, back then. exactly well but do you so, remember just the sheer oh. there was something about there was the uh, the audacity of it the the power of it you know muscle cars had turned into muscular creatures to the point that they were almost bloated dinosaurs i remember my dad was an executive for chrysler and brought home these big chrysler imperials and people next door had the cadillacs and all the other stuff and they were just monstrous pieces of metal I, I, they all just were completely off because very quickly we had the oil uh, crisis and suddenly the Japanese cars appeared and they were smaller and they were better built and they got better mileage. That was not the ethos of that era. It was just make it massive and bigger. And, and it grew out of what I grew up in the 60s, which was the tail fins and the rockets on the back and, and the Cadillac that went on for two blocks. It was well, that era begat uh, the space age era, if you will, begat right. these kind of dreams of flying into space. And that right. is kind of what in that era, that was the vision of the future, that eventually these cars are going to fly. And right. so when we got to the 70s and we didn't discover flying cars, no. we kept getting larger and larger. And so I really love that era. They, they, there is often referred to as the malaise era in car design because yeah. that's uh, when sort of the party stopped, but the American industry didn't really know what to do yet. When what I mean by that is that it was the first time we got uh, federal uh, NHTSA regulations, meaning uh, federal yes. bumpers in American cars. Uh, Which I remember my dad saying, this is the death of the car business. We got to have bumpers that match. And then we had to have, you know, five mile an hour bumpers. And then we also had to put on uh, emissions and controls and all this. And we had to start wearing seat belts. They're going to force me to wear. My dad used to shame me. I'd come home. I started driving in like 72, 73. And my dad would say, put that darn thing off. And I said, no, dad, they teach me. I got to put the seatbelt on. Well, no. And that's a great lesson. Um, not to derail, to derail too from what we were talking about, yeah. but that's actually a great lesson when you think about any time there's a paradigm shift in a technology or an awareness 
or when people awaken to something like, oh, I don't know, safety, yeah. there'll always <laughs> be kind of a freak out period where we don't yeah. know what to do. That's happening in self-driving cars right now. Exactly. People, the, exactly. the same mentality shifts, but the technology evolves. So people are like, I would never ride in a self-driving car. 20 years from now, they'll remember the people speaking that same way, the same way you would remember your dad saying, I wouldn't wear a seatbelt that's taking me my right to, to be unsafe, right? That's oh. right. So it's a fascinating look when you look at something in, in retrospect. So, and that is what I wanted to do um, mm -hmm. with this series because as a car designer, you know, for about two decades, you know, with mm -hmm. Nissan, uh, Volvo, Subaru, Honda, and many, many startups that ain't nobody ever heard of. Yeah, right. Um, that era of designers were my mentors. And so they taught me car design. Uh, I think Tom Semple, Tom Matano, Alfonso Albaiza. Mm -hmm. You know, I could go on and on. These, 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 these. Jerry Hirschberg. These guys that knew how to. Jerry Hirschberg. We did a tribute to him, the the late great Jerry Hirschberg from the Nissan studio that turned this into when it was just a bunch of renegades working out of almost like a garage. Maybe I'm overstating it, but it was a it was a pirate studio. They stole him from Buick or someplace place big and and brought him out here, and he created this free-flowing, free-thinking free group of people of which you were one. I got to be a part of it in the 2000, from 2000 2010, and, I, and I'm always very grateful for that time. Uh, what I loved about that time is it informed a lot of my design aesthetic. And so, you know, my, my job today is is perpetually looking forward now, basically designing. But it was cars. the era of a potentially the I'm going to argue the ugliest cars Americans ever made. The Pacer came out of that period. The big giant Mercury's and the big oh that bloated Chrysler that they just went on and on and just a bulbous thing. These were not attractive you cars. Fell ugly. Let's get in. Okay, so ugly is in the beauty and the eye to behold. Yeah. No, there are some. Some really strange things that happened in that era where they were trying to push things forward, but they were handcuffed. Yeah. And I think whenever you get that kind of innovation, you get some kind of Lulu Ingeborgs that come out of it. Yeah. But at the same time, to me, that era, uh, because they were combining the, the the sort of freedom of the muscle car era now with the evolving technology, right. the fuel embargo crisis coming on the horizon, the talent of those guys is what inspired me. So. <laughs> I'm very inspired by the, the, you know, the big pontoon fenders of the Buicks and the Chevys and the Cadillacs of that time, uh, Fords and Chryslers. And so the, the series that's behind me, it postulates fictional cars inspired by those three makers, meaning Ford, uh, General Motors and uh, Chrysler. Right. None of these cars are actually branded. What I'm trying to explore is the form vocabulary of each one of those companies because those guys taught me design right and what would have happened if they had had the freedom to if design? it had happened if that crazy dream had really come true if we'd woken up and and realized the dream that i i first saw as a cartoon in the jetsons and then i saw it every year in popular mechanics and everybody kept fantasizing oh it's just going to happen the cars are going to fly every movie showed them flying it was just yeah, yeah. and it never and did so and what i so and it's kind of what I love about the what I'm enjoying and developing the series is that the 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 visuals that I'm painting are I'm painting them as if it's about 1986 and these cars <laughs> are no longer new. So everything still happened. Uh, the Japanese cars came in, but they were Japanese flying cars, and these big, beautiful American uh, sky yachts, if you will. Sky yachts. That's exactly what they were. They were yachts. They were, they yachts. were land yachts, sky yachts. We used to call them land yachts. Some yeah. of them, they were so big. But yeah. imagine them being a little older now and, and 
still beautiful, but a little disused, a little not appreciated. So the, the one behind me uh, is the sort of like, it's playing in Pontiac and Oldsmobile, home vocabulary, <laughs> but you can imagine this sort of like. Blah, 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 I'm trying blah, to look blah. up some of them here as we're talking. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Flying over your head, but maybe it's like leaking a little oil now and like, you know, <laughs> dented and like, that's the air I want to capture this sort of like, um, they're underappreciated, but still nuggets of beauty in there. Can I throw in one other thing, though? And I don't know that the public knows this as well as I saw it, but this was, again, my father was in charge of marketing for Chrysler Corporation during those years and in charge of the import program for Chrysler. And all my friends' dads were had similar yeah, positions. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the import. Well, that was, a, the, we'll someday we'll talk about that sad story because he was fighting for imports and they're laughing at him. And he's saying, this is the future. And they're saying, forget it. Those little oh, tin Chrysler, cups. Chrysler facilitated Mitsubishi coming into this. Mitsubishi wouldn't be here without Chrysler. That's right? exactly it. And and he was the, all the one that tried to bring in the cricket. Go look up the cricket oh, somewhere. Yeah, here. Know that, that, that one's a, uh, actually an English car. The, the Rooty, uh, Roots Motor. Yeah, they bought a stake and they brought it over. And they called it the cricket. My, we named our cat the cricket. And the Simca. Which everybody laughed at with the French automaker with the front wheel drive. Now, what kind of insanity is this front wheel drive? And we'd go through the snow in this little tiny car, and all these big land yachts are stuck in a drift somewhere. Uh, now, we could talk about that forever. But my point is not only were they just badass, ugly cars, I'm sorry. Car collectors are not going to be collecting these cars except for the 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 ugliness of them someday. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, wait. They're not going to collect the import cars. They're not going to check. No, no, no. Cars? I'm the uh, big giant land yachts. The, oh, the stuff that I don't know. I think that's like the newest hot spot. Maybe it's it's so it's like bad movies. They were so ugly that the we knew they were ugly even back then. The colors they had these browns and everything. My mother had one of those uh, dusters that had the yellow uh, wallpaper all over the roof, literally. Yeah. Vinyl, yeah. yellow paper. Yeah. stuff. Anyway, um, they were lousy built, which is really what the, not just the fuel efficiency the Japanese brought, but the efficiency just in time and better quality. The cars leaked like crazy. The cars had, uh, oh, constant. And they didn't put any money into it because they had no competition. And I could tell you a hundred other reasons, but they, they basically just kept saying, we've already paid for the dyes. Let's just squeeze it out another year and another year and another year. Dress it up. Do something to it. But let's, let's put a little pig, uh, uh, lipstick on the pig, and let's see if we can sell some more of these things. Well, and you know, some, of the, some of the professors I had at that era, uh, like Clyde Foles, back in school, like they had worked on those big LTDs. And I remember you LTDs, know, yes, right. was like a, a big furry bear of a man, and he would talk about like, They'd be working on the, you know, some big Crown Victoria Landau. Crown Vix, yes, right. Just give it more. Let's put a garage door headlights on the front, and then on the garage door we'll have a um, elephant hide. You know, and they and there was like <laughs> this very additive period, right? Yeah. But if you stand back from the cars of that era and you really just distill them down to their shapes, they were so beautiful because it had so much real estate to play with. This big, big real estate, yeah. We just we don't have any more in car design. That's true. And so. That's kind of what I'm playing with is, is, is exactly what you're talking about. These sort of like they had gotten they call it malaise because it was it was a, almost a depression of time. Right. Because they had to deal with all of these new rules. But also there was a little bit of laziness. in there That's what I'm getting at. They just didn't real. The companies themselves were like, just dress it up a little bit. We're just going to crank out this. But it leaks. But it rusts. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't so. build a car that's been built on. Don't buy a car that's been built on Friday, right? You, Truthfully, all the guys that were drunk and leaving, and then the unions were wild. I mean, I could tell you a wild story. I worked in the car factory. You didn't buy a car that was built on Monday or Friday, because yeah, I've heard that. Like you know, tin cans inside the back of the cars and stuff. I saw it literally happen. And and that is the essence of this uh, uh, 
series of paintings. And so what I, I'm hoping to do with this not only is explore that era of car in an alternative version, but um, as you know, I uh, last year I started an LGBT scholarship. Yes, let's talk about that. A very powerful thing that you've had success with here. Well, and so this, uh, so I created a, an LGBT scholarship for car design students at College for Creative Studies. I was very, um, I couldn't believe it, it, it happened. Uh, we raised over $50,000 last wow. year. This last August, 2020, we awarded the first award. And so now that the scholarship is an endowment and it will live on in perpetuity, right. I'm shifting to how do I generate race, uh, funds for the right. scholarship over right. time? Particularly so since we can't get together and have fundraisers. You had some big ones out in Palm Springs and stuff, or you can't do that right now. So what else can you do to generate funds? You've come up with this fun idea. Yeah, so the paintings. I mean, I, I love doing the art. I love the era. I love design. And so I was like, okay, so the, the paintings can be a great resource of, uh, of revenue for scholarship. Right. I'm showing them at the Brian Markey Gallery in Palm Springs. They're also going, uh, as I develop them, they're coming out one by one on uh, Instagram. Do you remember flying cars? Very simple. Just type that uh, on Instagram. And, and what a perfect place, Palm Springs, because it, it, it somehow has taken that era of the 60s more than anything else. That, that modernism, that uh, those houses, the Jetson look. Uh, came to life, and they've and they've kept it alive and turned it into quite a cool, you know, cultural movement here. What do you, what do you call it? Uh, modern houses? All these. The thing that I love about Palm Springs is that it's always captured in a time bubble, but it's always evolving. And what I mean by that is, mm. it's a mid-century modern mecca. That's okay. when you know the Rat Pack was hanging hanging out there. Exactly. Not Marilyn Monroe, Sammy Davis Jr. All those guys were out there, and the and the architects were experimenting with these very like planar beautiful simple yeah. construction and, homes and angular and pointing yeah. things and flying roofs and flying cars and everything here yeah and palm springs has such a strong historic society that they protect that architecture but what i mean by it's always evolving is what i notice now is that guys my age who grew up with the 70s are now getting into the 40s and 50s this era is starting to be protected as well. So I'm just noticing the 70s architecture. And I hate to say it, but I remember the 60s too, and many people in the rest of America, that 60s, there's all these names to it, I've forgotten what you call it, but that 60s look of the of the McDonald's drive-ins and the, what is it called, Googie style or something? Googie is a style of architecture that basically takes the whimsical and frivolous and makes it into uh, architectural elements. Yes, lots like of McDonald's that. McDonald's or like the original, like, you know, uh, Chevron shape that kind of go up into the sky. Yes, yeah. yes. All that stuff, all that stuff got torn down in the rest of the country and somehow it survived in Palm Springs, maybe because there was kind of an economic downturn for a while there and there wasn't the money to tear it down. And then because there was this group of people that found it appealing and started preserving it. And maybe just because it was warm and it didn't all rust and fall apart like it did well, everywhere no else. There's no in the desert, right? <laughs> so I grew up in Phoenix. And I, what I think I remember about uh, growing up in the desert is there is no such thing as entropy or rust or decay. Right. When you, you can leave a box of cereal open for two weeks at a time and it won't go stale because there's no humidity in the air. Right. So somehow it survived. It yeah. preserved it somehow, and then suddenly to a point where some people rediscovered it, like mm -hmm. you're doing with these paintings and others did in the whole community there, and suddenly what was old became cool, and but what was what was torn down everywhere else became uh, revered and preserved. Yeah, and I love, I love seeing it evolve. So, you know, now that when I was, I remember being a kid driving through the windmills of Palm Springs to see the houses, and I would be, and and the mid-century houses were not in fashion at that point. They were no. just construction that was disliked or unfashionable. But as a kid, I I responded to the light and the architecture of those buildings, and I and I fell in love with them as a little boy. But at that time, 
cars that were the contemporaries on the road were like Subarus and Thunderbirds. That's what yeah. I always remember, like little teeny <laughs> tiny Japanese cars and huge American boats with like fabric and yeah. textiles on the outside of the car. On the outside of the car, they put textiles. My mother had a car, and they would it covered the roof in it. It was a Plymouth Duster. It was it was <laughs> yeah, yellow, yeah. and they yeah. put fl- to be flower power. This is about 1970. They put giant flowers all over the roof. Never heard anybody even talk about. It, it was the ugliest thing I ever saw in my life. Even no, then, I thought it was ugly. Ugly. Yeah, it's always contextual, right? To the time I uh, I remember. She thought it was cool. Yeah, I did, but uh, I just that term is uh, is is such a it's such it's such a personal term to what people consider. So think of the uh, other stuff going on in design. We had olive green appliances that we then replaced with some sort of turquoise. We had a turquoise kitchen. Everything was this turquoise appliances in the whole house. As far as if you look at a uh, average uh, snapshot of a of, of, of traffic. It looks like a bowl of Skittles in the 70s or 60s. Oh, yeah. By the time you get to the 80s, it's desaturated, right? Colors are muted. You got metallics now, Uh, you know, a lot of silvers. And if you look at cars today, color is starting to come back in very bold way, but lots of reds and blacks. Yeah. And that, you know, we could have a whole other show about the psychology. My mother's favorite color was yellow and followed by brown. Our whole house had brown paneling in it. Brown gold, I think, is what they called it back then. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's just the, the, the they love to call the, the appliances avocado yes. or hard gold in that time. But yeah, but I remember uh, I remember being a little kid, uh, and this is like one of the first times I was inspired to be a car designer. I, I remember we had a little 73 red Subaru GL sedan or something like that, Leone and the rest of it, sitting in the back seat on hot plastic black seats, yes. air conditioning. And next up, next to us pulls the 1978, so I was only four years old metallic blue thunderbird yeah. with camel colored accents in in textiles on the outside and i remember my parents going that is hideous and i remember going i love it I love how you put fabric on the outside of a car yeah and i was like and there's something about seeing that made me realize that's a person's decision that is creating something that's a job and so I was so like, I want to do that. I want to do whatever it is that wow. those people do that put the fabric on the outside of the car. <laughs> well, I'm in this old TV like I grew up in here. And it just, to me, you've taken me back to this era. It started <laughs> with the Jetsons and, and the Rat Pack and the swinging 60s. And yeah. the and then it turned into muscle cars and love, the summer of love and all yeah. this. And then somehow it morphed into, the it, it turned into this bloated, excessive, bizarre 70s ethic that i grew up that's when i went to high school in the 70s and you know bell bottom pants and all that stuff here it was a strange era no yeah that's exactly the era i'm trying to capture and then again i like capturing it right after it passed its prime so yeah the the world that these cars live in would probably be like 1986 so i may start to play in with like the new cars coming in would be like boxy 80s cars and these cars are now they're still flying but they're dripping oil and like the yeah. parts are falling off, you know, and like that. And uh, so the paintings are captured. So we're, give us again, where can we see these things online? Where can they buy one? I'm sure they won't be cheap, yep. but they all go for a good cause to fund this <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, scholarship for LGBT uh, kids who dream like you did uh, that they too can design flying cars of the future here. <laughs> well, you know. We'll have another show about vertical takeoff drones. Those will be the things. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not so they, funny they anymore. They fly and they take people, and that's all a flying car really is. Yeah. Do you remember flying cars? Is how to find it on Instagram, Facebook. 
if you just type in do you remember flying cars in quotes it'll come up like i said on on that and mostly on the instagram profile i show my technique uh, i'm definitely one of those designers i like to include people in what i do i don't mm-hmm. i don't hide the technique because i learned this technique from other people and right you're a continuum right art that is if you're inspired side by something you will always create your own version because mm-hmm. you're you mm-hmm. and that's what you your spirit is in this world is an original creation so i encourage people to be inspired by the work and um, it's fun. It, it, I'm really hoping uh, it grows and raises a lot more money for this for this fund. If, if nice. no other reason, you have captured in one phrase what we all remember of that, those of us that lived through it, flying cars. That was kind of the epitome of the era. And, and it, it, it evokes not only the dream, uh-huh. the boldness, anything <laughs> the can go, audacity the, the audacity yeah. of, of everything, but also the absurdity of yeah. what they were doing. And what I like to, so as we kind of end this up, what I want to, people have asked me in the past, is this retrofuturism? And I say, Mm -hmm. no, that's retrofuturism is how you imagined people of an era would have imagined the future Mm -hmm. with now the perspective looking back on the past. The work this is, is these cards are very much contemporaries of their fictional time. Mm -hmm. In this world, they are the present. Yeah, if that makes sense, that's a that's a different uh, sort of. I get it. it. It's saying if we it, it's re, every so often they make movies like this. And say, what would have happened if something uh, not, yeah. terrible things if Nazi Germany had won the war or something or whatever? You know, uh, there yeah. was a fascinating movie a few years ago. That somebody said, "What if the South had won the Civil War?" And mm-hmm. and they had funny little, not funny really, but you know, ads. They took it to the dark place that that would have been. Yeah, you and, know, and one of the things that inspired me was selling slaves on TV my, or something. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh my god, yeah, this really could have inspired me with this kind of work was uh, Tomatano, who created the Mazda Miata and right. R7 that we had, and he always said, our job is to create a tiny little bit of the future by contributing to society. Why not create a happy future? I'm not really interested in creating an apocalyptic spin-off i want to create a, uh, this world where we we got them we got the flying cars that we wanted but and i'll not. i'll leave you with this to me the other thing that symbolized the area and what you're talking about was the original star trek series which oh, was built sure. on wag it was a, the pitch was wagon trains to the stars every week the wagon train goes on and we we meet you know new tribes new people and everything oh, else dear. but it was always positive he insisted on it always being positive it wasn't a dark apocalyptic vision i look at the the stories today many of them are dark we love the darkness and i look at the designs that come out of it like the we talked about the uh, uh slut truck whatever they call that thing that looks like uh something the the terminator would drive well, it just depends, you know, if, like I said, if if, um, if we, the people who create, are creating a little fraction of the context of the world we live in, if we're helping create the fabric of daily life, why not create a happy one? Why if, not? You got a choice. Hand, you know, well, <laughs> so. Someday anyway. you'll tell me why flying cars didn't happen, and then you're going to say, but they are happening. It has, the dream hasn't gone away here. They still might come back here. Oh, Thank no, you. Like said, the, the, the vertical takeoff drones are essentially what that is. Let's just put it this way. Uh, if we have autonomous technology uh, available, you do not want uh, you do not want the manual people t- driving their own cars in three dimensions. No, I would. Three think... dimensions is enough uh, for enough hours. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that would be insane. Trying to uh, going up to you watch what was the Bruce Willis movie where he's a taxi driver or something in the future or something here and he's total recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger too, and they're going up and down and everywhere here. Yeah. I hope this series inspires people. Like I said, I like. I really want to 
catch the raw grittiness of it. Right. But this dream come true. I love it. Well, you've made my dream. You've, if nothing else, you brought me back to my childhood, and I remember this era, and it puts a smile on my face. And I have to wonder, you know, what would have happened had it happened? Do you remember flying cars? Thank you, Brian Thompson, for uh, for reminding us of that here. And I good luck with the selling the paintings. Give us one last place they can go. Sec- you can actually show the, they can buy them online, but you can actually show these at a gallery where in Palm Springs. Brian Markey Gallery in Palm Springs. Brian with an I. I'm Brian with a Y. Right. Markey is M-A-R-K-I. He's uh, representing the, the paintings in Palm Springs. Love to see it. Love to hear more. All right. Do you remember flying cars? I do. You've been listening to another great example of why you should tune in each and every week. To Driven by Design with your Driven Designer, Brian Thompson. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.